The sun is at the vertical, and shade is as scarce as charity on Biashara Street. Where it exists, in shop fronts and alleyways, like cave mouths and canyons, life clings, eyes blink, and patiently they watch. They see a man and a boy walking along the sidewalk, the boy adjusting his stride every third or fourth step to a skip to match his companion's rangy stride. The man, in concession, has stooped slightly to maintain a conversational height. Their posture suggests that if either reached out a hand, the other would grasp it, but that for their own reasons neither will offer. They are father and son. But where would you raid it? the father asks wearily. It's evidently a long-running conversation. Anywhere, says the boy. I could go to the shops for you. Adam, this is Nairobi. You go out on your own on a bike, you're going to get killed. Have you seen the drivers here? Then around the compound. Grandma's house. It's safe there. Michael's got a bike. And Imani too. And she's only seven. The tall man pauses in his stride, and the boy runs into the back of his legs. Something has disturbed him. Immediate, palpable, yet indefinable. The sense of trouble about to strike. Just for once thinks Molel. Just for once, I'd like to turn off this instinct, be able to enjoy going shopping, enjoy spending time with my son, be a member of the public instead of a policeman. But he can't. He is what he is. That's the one I want, says Adam, pointing at the shop window. Molel is vaguely aware of a display of bicycles inside but he is watching the reflection suspended upon the glass. A group of teenage girls, all gossip and gum, mobile phones wafting like fans, handbags slung over shoulders like bandoliers, and from the shadows, other eyes, hungry now, emerging. Watching without watching, getting closer without moving in, the men nonchalant yet purposeful, disparate yet unified, circling their prey, hunting dogs. Go inside the shop, Molel tells Adam. Stay there till I come back for you. Can I choose a bike, Dad? Really? Just stay there, says Molel, and he pushes the boy through the store's open door. He turns. It's happening already. The group of men are melting away. The girls are still oblivious to what has just taken place. He clocks one of the guys walking swiftly from the scene, stuffing a gold vinyl clutch bag. So not his style, under his shirt. Molel takes off, matching the hunting dog's pace, but keeping his distance, eager not to spook him. No point in letting him bolt into a back street now. Pace up a beat, narrow the gap, quit Biashara Street, cross Mwindimbingu, weave through traffic, ignore the car horns. Busier here. The hunting dog is in his late teens or early twenties, judges Molel. Athletic. His shirt has the sleeves cut off at the shoulders, not to expose his well-developed arms, but to ease its removal. The buttons at the front will be fake, Molel knows, replaced with a strip of Velcro or poppers to confound any attempt to grab the bag snatcher's collar, leaving the pursuer holding nothing more than a raggedy shirt like a slipped snakeskin.
While he weighs his strategy, a dive to the legs rather than a clutch of the torso, Molel realizes the thief is heading for the city market. Got to close the gap now. Lose him in there, he's gone for good. Taking up an entire city block, and with more ways in and out than a hyrax burrow, on a day like this, the market's dark interior is thronged with shoppers escaping the sun. Molel considers yelling, Stop! Where's he? Or police. But calculates this would lose him precious time. The thief leaps up the steps and deftly vaults a pile of fish guts, pauses a moment to look back, showing, Molel thinks, signs of tiring, and dives into the dark interior. Molel's gaunt frame is just a few seconds behind, heart pounding.